All right. I was sitting out there thinking how beautiful the, the words of these songs are. But a thought came to me that I just can't help but pass along. The joy of Christ is that he's more than a sentimental Jesus. He is the most powerful weapon in this world. He's truth. Truth, <clears throat> you can argue against it, but you might as well argue against a brick wall. Truth is the, ever, the answer to every false claim, every false hood, every lie. In my ministry, I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, I want to know uh, how in the world do, do I witness to cults and, and people that have these beliefs? I, is there a book where I can learn what they believe? And I always tell them this, don't worry about what they tell you they believe if you know the truth. If you know the truth, you don't have to know every intricacy of the cults and the false teachings and the heresy that even comes out of some pulpits. If you know truth, the spirit of truth that is in you immediately sends up a red flag. And I think he says something like, <laughs> I really do. That's what he does to me. I just chuckle at that stuff. So this morning I want to talk to you about the truth. Knowing truth will absolutely help you to know a counterfeit when you see and hear it. In fact, that's the whole theme of Second Peter. First Peter was trying to, he was speaking to a, a specific group of people. He was telling them they needed to remember certain things in their journey through the hard times, through the bad times. He's, he said to remember who you are. Remember the, who you serve. Remember who God is. In this last epistle that he would write, he is trying to clarify. Now, it's not just to clarify and found, find counterfeit or untruth in someone else or something else. The first thing that we do with truth is apply it to our self. That's our measuring part. What truth is, what I see truth as being, and how do I live truth, and where do I get truth? You see, the question I would ask you today is, where do you go to find truth? Okay? If you tell me any of the three letters that comes up, like that starts with an A, an N, and a C, I'm sorry. That's not where you get truth. Over the years, I've had young couples sit in my office and say, Pastor, we're, we're going to have a child. And when I had, to, when I was going to get my driver's license, I had a driver's manual and it told me how to drive and I went and passed the test. And there's just not a manual out there. And I said to them, the word of God is your manual. You see, we've been raising kids with Dr. Seuss and some of these psychological treaties of how a child thinks. And rather than apply the hand to the butt, which is the thickest part of our body, they have said we should put them in time out. I always like to use the term to my boys, I'm going to knock you out. They understood that a lot better than time out. 
No, don't write in. I didn't abuse my children. Some people get there. I had some people tell me they were uh, had sent off for some pamphlets from Planned Parenthood. And I said, do you realize Planned Parenthood is in the business of killing babies, not raising children? You, you need to understand in this world we're living in, there's an absence of truth and a whole lot of unreality reality. We live in that world. And what we need to survive that world, what we need to be bold in that world, and what we need to be the witness in that world is truth and stand on it. Because if you stand for truth, you'll never fall for anything else. John MacArthur had some interesting things, picked it up in my devotions, and studying for this. So I'm going to share it with you. In Psalm 119, it says, your law is truth, all your commandments is truth, the sum of your word is truth. He said it's amazing where people go to find truth about life. He talked about, a, 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 he mentioned a poem written by a man named John Whitter. He said, we search the world for truth. We call the good, the pure, and the beautiful from graven stone and written scroll, from all old flower fields of the soul and weary seekers at best. We come back laden from the quest to find that all the sages said is in the book our mothers read, which is the word of God. God, excuse me, God never intended truth to be mysterious. When I hear people talk about the mysteries of the Bible, the mysteries of the Bible have been uncovered in the word of God. In fact, his word is simply a repository of truth containing everything that we need to live life, live it to the full, and live it victoriously, no matter what we go through. It's amazing when people say to me, you don't know what I'm going through, and I say, it's amazing that you don't understand the sentence structure you just gave me. You didn't say, you don't understand where I've been defeated. You don't understand where I have fallen down. Your words were, you don't understand what I'm going through. And the key word in this in life for a child of God is we encounter many, many things in life, but we go through them all because of Jesus Christ. First John 5.20 says, we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding in order that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true. His son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. The psalmist said the works of his hands are truth and justice. All his precepts are sure. They are upheld forever and ever. They are performed in truth and righteousness. As Christians who walk in truth, that's how Jesus described us. He said, we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. I'm very serious as I think back over my ministry. 
The times in my life that I have struggled worse is when I have been further away from the Word of God. I've had people tell me, well, I've read my Bible so much and it's marked up so much that I, I just, you know, I just kind of float through it. Here's my answer. Buy another Bible. I have, I have now Bibles for three more great-grandchildren that I don't have yet. The reason is I, too, clutter up my Bible. So when it's cluttered, I just go buy a new Bible. Sometimes a different translation. I'm now, my new Bible is an NIV. And it's really enhancing my study. So stay in the Word. And I guess that's going to be the whole key to my message. Uh, if you like to outline and write your Bible, and I sure hope you do. If you don't have it with you, I hope you will bring your Bibles. You need to test. You need to see for yourself what goes up here and comes out here is the Word of God. But you can put by chapter 1, wheat, W-H-E-A-T. Chapter 2, tares. And chapter 3, the harvest. That's the outline of the three uh, chapters in the book of Second Peter. Peter was writing to the very same people about the wheat, the tares, and the harvest as he wrote to the others. Because he was warning them, just as Paul did uh, in the book of Acts, that on his departure, or even while he was there, wolves would come in. Now, it's interesting the, the way it's said, wolves from within... That means within the body of Christ and wolves from without the body of Christ. And the problem is we're pretty good at at sniffing out the wolves that are outside the body of Christ that comes against us. The greatest unifying factor in the body of Christ is hard, hot opposition from the outside towards the body of Christ. And you will never see a group of people come together and arm themselves for battle. And that's great. But the problem is there are wolves on the inside who speak heresies, who speak mistruths. Not only that, you don't have to speak uh, mistruths to be a wolf if you use your tongue for negative reasons. You are stirring up discord. You are uh, causing a spirit of negativity to dwell where the spirit of hope should reign. And that's in the body of Christ. So Peter was writing that. Don't let them come in from the inside or from the outside. Unlike other biblical writers, Peter knew this was his last letter. Have you ever thought about that? He was writing right about the time, not long after Nero would get a hold of him. And he'd be crucified upside down. Peter knew that. How did he know that? In in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12 through 15, here's what he wrote in this letter. So I always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth that you now have. So if they now have that truth and are firmly established, why would he write? Glad you asked. I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Because I know that I will soon put it aside. That's a reference to his death. And why would he put a reference to his death? 
as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. If you remember the last chapter of the book of John, when Jesus found him by the seesaw once again, and he, he fixed breakfast for him, and he was talking about him. Paul, great, uh, Peter gave that great statement when Jesus told him what was going to happen. He said, Peter, right now you go do what you want to do when you want to do it, but there's coming a day someone is going to carry you to your death where you don't want to go. And, of course, Peter's response was immediately, what about John? And, you know, we've been what about John's for, for centuries after that. Peter knew he was going to go. And he said, I will seek every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be reminded of these, these things. Peter's heart was in the people. Peter's heart was not only for the lost. He was a pioneer in church planting and reaching people with the gospel of Christ all over the place. But the pastor's heart is for his people. Why do you think on any given time you come and hear myself or Joe or Cord that we're saying things to you that may stretch you? We're saying things like we want you to give. We want you to give sacrificially. We want you to live, as the Bible says, hilariously. We want you to give. Why? Because that measures for you your trust in God. Because You know, we don't own anything. Nothing is ours. It's all supplied into our hands for use in this kingdom. Why do we ask you to pray? Why do we ask you to be, to urgently go to God for needs? Because that is your measurement, your prayer life of your trust in Christ. Why do we ask you to go to these places like Oklahoma? Sometimes we ask you to go to Egypt and other places. Why? That is your measurement of your trust in God. The same way we ask you to serve. Right now in our parking lot, we're we're not only our staff, but we've got volunteers out there serving other people who need help. Why? Because your service depends on your trust in God. Because God is the equipper. God is the provider. God is the strength. He is the one that makes a way through fear and discouragement. We want you to grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, today I want you to know Christ. If you're online listening, all you have to do is hit that I have decided button. Give us your information. Someone will be with you very quickly. If you have questions, if you have questions this morning, that's why we print that connect card. We want to know, is something stirring you? Do you need a question answered? Do you need prayer? We, as long as I live, as long as any God-fearing, Bible-preaching preacher lives, they will never be settled with the, the establishment, the here and now. We are always called on to stretch because you know what happens? That faith grows, that trust goes, and we can stand with Paul and say, I am persuaded that nothing can harm me because of Jesus Christ. That is an affirmation 
That is a hope that you need to have as you face life and as you pray for your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and people who are lost. That confidence that comes from a knowledge, not from your feelings, but from truth. All right, let's get into this chapter. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to define some words or phrases you're going to hear, okay? First one is divine power. Divine power is the inexhaustible. Unlike you and I who are exhaustible, the power of God is inexhaustible. It's a resource that gives God's people everything. I, I like that word. Everything they need for an obedient, godly life. See, that's the key. His power energizes us to fulfill what he has called us to be. Have you ever had somebody demand that you do something or command that you do something and they don't tell you how to do it or give you the tools to do it? That's futility. It's frustration. God has called us to bear the image of the Son and his divine power, which you can't run out of, will give us everything we need in order to be obedient. Second, you're going to hear the word knowledge about four times. That's the acquisition of facts. You're acquainted with facts, truths, principles from study and from investigation. That is knowledge. Not only that, Proverbs 1, 7 says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. How do I get knowledge, Pastor? The fear of the Lord. Godly, righteous, holy fear of who he is. That's the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and they despise instructions. You're going to see the word nearsighted. And it's got more to do than with your glasses. Nearsighted is seeing a short distance only to forget or to take for granted what God has done for you. How many times are we so nearsighted that when we get in a situation that we don't like, a circumstances of trial, that we become embittered against God? Have we forgotten? That Jesus Christ himself, God, came to earth in the form of a man. He was beaten so badly that those nearest to him could not recognize who he was. He was nailed to a cross and he died so that you and I have an overcoming promise of death. Death no longer is something that we fear. It is the release of a body that is fallible in order to go into the arms of God and forever reign with him with a body that will not give out. And for me, man, that's good news. Amen. Stop taking for granted. Stop judging other people on who should be saved and who should not be saved. Jesus Christ came into this world that sinners may know him. The next word is virtue. Now, it's more than being, when we say a virtuous person, uh, it's like the bride shows her, vir- 
her virtue, or used to, by wearing a white gown on her wedding day. This says, I have been virtuous in my relationships, but it's more than that. It's moral courage. It's the courage morally to stand with what truth is. Now, that doesn't mean you hammer that person in immorality. But it means don't forget what God saved you from and pray that God would release that person from that immorality that has been holding. It's the courage to speak against immorality because it is sin. Right? Well, it's right whether you say amen or not. Self-control. Personal discipline. Now, anybody that does this, it's okay. People pay big money to be a personal trainer. My son worked his way through college being a personal trainer. And I asked him, how's that go, son? He said, Dad, I got some of the biggest knotheads in the world. They're paying me whatever they paid him an hour to show them how to get back in shape, and they won't do anything I say. He said, but that's okay as long as they pay me. You see, somebody else is not going to discipline your life. And I grant you, there are multitudes of people who want someone to say, don't do that, do this. Because it helps them as an escape mechanism for making their own decisions. That I'm looking at this body, I need to do something. I'm looking at the fact that I am not aware of the truth of God from pillar to post, from Genesis to Revelation. I need to do something, and that do something is not listening to more preaching through YouTube and in person. That's, that's a good stuff. It's for you personally to get in the Word of God and be convinced of what God's Word says in order that you take that not as coming from cliff, but it's yours. Listen, I walk boldly in the Lord for one reason. I know truth. I know what God has said. And I know from experience, if I stand on truth, I will not fall. Okay? People can knock you, but you will not fall. Why? Because you personally know what truth is. Love. (laughs) That's the supreme mark of a Christian. Everything begins in faith and culminates in love. Faith is the beginning. That godly agape love. And then from there, brotherly kindness or mutual kindness. Reaching out in Excuse me, in grace and mercy to other believers. You may say, why isn't that before love? And it's very simple. We are prone to say, I really love everybody, but become highly critical. You give no grace, you give no mercy for their mistakes, and then you beg God on your knees to forgive you for your mistakes. Not having this brotherly kindness, mutual kindness, will negate your statement of love. Because love for believers is giving grace and mercy. It's helping them through issues 
not telling others about their issues. These are the things that are important to Peter. So, we ready to read? Did I lose you? Okay, let's get ready to leave. Let's, let's look at beginning. Uh, I'm going to begin with uh, the second verse in, in Peter. We're just going to walk through these, okay? Peter gives this grace and peace be yours in abundance. How? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. And I want you to know that you cannot live in grace and peace without the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the truth. That is the key. That is foundational. I don't know. I don't care how you, how much you know about the Bible. I I don't know that if you can recognize that Hezekiah is not a book in the Bible. That doesn't matter. It's the knowledge of God who he is, and of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how you live, with grace and peace, all right? His divine power, remember, we've already uh, defined that, has given us everything we need for life. Stop there, just hold that. We Christians, if sometimes if you listen to us talk, we are paupers. We can't do this. I can't do that. My heart in pity goes out to the many people who are still crouched in their home, perfectly healthy, able to get out, and yet fear has engulfed them. They're afraid. Isolation is the devil's death chamber because that's where he has you, 101. He's given us everything we need for life. I mean, that's it. Paul talked about in Romans 8, life and death. That's the sum of it, right? And godliness, the divine power for us to reflect the godly truths in Scripture into our everyday life. Do you realize that Scripture is for wearing, not just quoting? Because if you quote it and you don't live it, the person that's listening is going to doubt it. It'll be like talking about the book, Moby Dick. This word is for living every day through our knowledge. Here we go. Go back to knowledge of him, Christ, who called us by his own glory and his own goodness. The glory and the majesty of God that spoke to everything in creation and by the words of his mouth created everything in creation so that Paul could declare the, the heavens declare the beauty of God. That person called us. That person equipped us. That person is the insurance that we have for a godly life. All right, let's, we'll continue. Through these, what was that? Everything we just talked about. He has given us this very great and precious promises. How do you know you're going to escape something if you don't know the promises? Too many people in the world live in hope. That's all they've got. I hope I win the lotto. I hope I don't get sick. I hope I don't have a wreck. That will lead to a nervous jitter. Hope, 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 hope. What is it based on? Nothing. 
But as children of God, our hope is in Jesus Christ. The Hebrew writer says our hope is like an anchor attached to the throne of God. And that is sure. I mean, that's these are the truth promises. Do we know his divine promises in situation after situation? If you're waiting for next Sunday or Tuesday or Saturday to find out how to escape from the problem you're in on Monday, you're out of luck. You, God has said you have, I will give you the knowledge of these issues so that through the divine precious promises, you may participate, be a participant and not a consumer. In the divine nature and escape the corrupt corruption of the world caused by evil desires. Are those evil desires lurking outside the door waiting on you to walk out and pounce on you? Those evil desires come from one place. You. And if you store them up within you, it's the inside wolves that's eating you up. And you're blaming everything in this world. I'm having this problem because of this. I'm having this problem because of that. You're having a problem because of your own evil desires. You have not dealt with through the word of God. You have not dismissed through the word of God. And you have not rejected in and through the word of God. For this very reason, evil desires make every effort to add to your faith. This is not building faith up, but it's like building a house. You know, they, throw, they put them up, put the roof on, get it what they call dried in. Well, if you go try to move into that house without windows and doors, what's your comfort level? It's going to be pretty rough. It's going to be a hot summer and a cold winter. Add to your faith goodness. Just be a good person. What does that mean? It means, number one, you're not tilted towards negativity. You're not tilted to the things that aren't good. You're looking for the good. You're not wearing rose-colored glasses. Bible instructions, whatsoever is good, think on these things. And to goodness, you've got to add some knowledge to know what is good and what is not. Let's go. And to the knowledge, self-control. Listen, knowing this stuff and not being able to discipline your stuff, to live this stuff and let it become your stuff, that's self-control. Self-control will bring you around to perseverance. Listen, perseverance is one of the great assets that you can attain to. Because you can then quote that last part of chapter 8 of the book of Romans. Paul looks at everything from angels and principalities to the demons and devils below everything in life. And he comes to this conclusion. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. That's perseverance. You meet it. You deal with it in the name of Jesus through the word of God and you continue on. Add to perseverance, 
Godliness. Do it in a godly way. How do you know the godly way? The truth is in the Word of God. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. There we are. Just be nice to people and give them the grace and mercy you expect from God. That does not mean that you agree with truth. But in grace and mercy, you pray with that person and you help that person find the truth of the Scriptures themselves. The brotherly kindness, the agape love, which God looked down from above, saw we were sinners dead in our trespasses and sin, and sent his son Jesus to recognize us. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure. I had a a Christian tell me one time, I accepted Christ 32 years ago. So what's the big deal? Why are you always talking about this stuff? Listen, I ate a meal yesterday. But I guarantee you, I'm going to eat a meal today. I mean, you can look at me and tell, I am missing many meals. Christian life is not a one shot. God doesn't give you this magic potion, you drink it and poof. Now, life, just as it's every day, every day we learn and learn and take on more truth for that day. Because strength and knowledge and truth you have for today, without that refueling tomorrow, will sink your life. Go ahead. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. That's the key. People want to be productive. They want to be effective in life. In your, here we go again, knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's, let's go through these genes. But if anyone does not have them, he, there we go, nearsighted, you've forgotten what God has done for you and you're blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sin. The past is good to learn from. It is thinking to live in it. And we live our lives too much in the past. You only learn from the past and move on and don't make the same mistakes. Therefore, because of everything we've said, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your election and your calling sure. This is not doubting your salvation. It's rehearsing in truth when Satan begins to assail you and tell you you're probably not saved, when he assails you for your sin and accusing you, the truth of God will make that election sure because you don't answer any other way than this. Jesus Christ called me. I reached out and repented of my sins and he saved me. If you do all these things, You're never going to fail. And you will receive a rich welcome. Have you ever thought about the welcome you're going to get in heaven? I mean, I I can't imagine one. I, I just want one thing. Okay? I've shared this with you maybe before. When Jesus says, well done, I don't care if he looks at me and say, Cliff, I was worried about you, boy. (laughs) But well done. Good and faithful servant. What better welcome than the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Creators, the Sovereign God knows you by name and says, Welcome home.
Woo! To the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what Peter says to them. That's what the word of truth says to us today. Because you see, theology without application simply gives you stuff that you can, answers you can give in a trivia game. The truth of Scripture is to live by, to wear, to be everything you need in life. It's your all in all. So I got to ask you, where are you? How are you doing in this world? Do you have a knowledge from truth that you will enter into heaven with Jesus Christ? Not from your feeling, not from what someone told you, but from your knowledge of looking at truth. If not, it's available today. Now, I realize not everybody will walk up and talk to me when we give the invitation. But if you put on that connect card your name and a phone number and just say, I want to talk, I'm available. If you want to come see me, that's fine. Catch me in the hall. Online this morning, you hit that I have decided button. But today is the day of decision. Do you realize that? If you just came to church to be entertained, I'm sorry. You need to find another venue. This is a class that encourages through the synergy of each other to go out and live Christ in front of the world. Do you know truth? Then I suggest this be your only source. And God's truth is not mysterious. God's truth is not hidden. God's truth, like his grace, freely given. Lord, today, thank you for your word. And it's the confidence in the word that I have this morning. So I pray, word, do your work in every life that is listening today. Convict us of sin. Lead us to repentance. Strengthen us in righteousness that we may know that we know and then live life to the full. In Christ's name, amen.